Cheers. I think we figured it out. Yeah, I think we figured it out, too. <laughs> hey, Toots. Yeah. Go back in the kitchen. Speaking of women, the fuck is going on with Pitch Perfect 3? Like, what do you think smells worse? Ugh. Johnny Depp's breath? <laughs> oh, no. Or Johnny Depp's, like, just body? We started doing a podcast and the world went to shit. I had on Fox News for a solid 20 minutes today. Barf. Oh, Taylor Lautner is the Twitter um, werewolf. I knew that. You know, magnesium is really good for you. I'm never going to see Hacksaw Ridge. So guess what, honey? Boy, bye. Yeah. You need a haircut once a week? I would love a haircut once a week. Make America great again. Somebody is going to really come for you once we have listeners. How do you know what scissor smells like? There's been a lot of Pitch Perfect 3 shit, and I'm over it. Who's a snowflake now, girl? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Please. I haven't seen that yet either. You want to spoil that? I think we have a different take on blah, blah. So, I don't even know if I'm going to do it. I'm going to do mine. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Should we do it? Yeah, let's do it. This is Wigs and Weiss. <laughs> hey, hey, guys. Welcome, Welcome to, to Wigs and Weiss. I'm Paul Cross. <laughs> and I'm Lindsay Harbert Silberman. Are you feeling like... You just need to kick back and relax for a little bit. You're in luck, because we feel the same way. Welcome to the Palm Springs Magic, Magic Hour. Hour. <laughs> <laughs> We're recording live from Palm Springs for this week, and we wanted to do something a little bit different for you guys. It's going to be the same sass, the same class that you're used to, but this time we're just going to relax. I'm going to take the edge off a little bit. We don't need to talk about what we like, what we don't like. We just want to talk about... We might not pop our corks. We might not flip our wigs. We might not. Well, we are going to do Troll Patrol, but it's going to be different. (laughs) We're just trying something new, you guys, and we hope that you will stay with us, because here's what's going to be coming tonight. Are you ready for this? Or today, depending on when you're listening to this. Buckle up, bitches. I'm going to tell you guys a little story about when Leanne Rimes and Trisha Yearwood went head to head, and it's it's, it's edge of your seat goodness. You know what I'm going to talk about? What? I'm going to talk about when I was the waitress to many of actor or actress in Beverly Hills, California. Mm. And what came from that mm-hmm. in my life? And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to tell you that dog walker story eventually. Yes, queen. Because it's time for that to be told. And I'm going to take a very personal troll patrol. I'm going to tell you about that pizza hut I worked at in high school and why it matters. Um, we're both going to share our favorite Palm Springs That's moments. Right. That's right, Paul Cross. We sure are. And what else are we going to do, Lindsay? We're going to live our fucking lives. What are we doing? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> we're going to talk about our Palm Springs Magic Hour movie. Is that right? <laughs> Nailed it. Sure, we'll get there. So um, <laughs> even though we said we weren't going to pop our corks, we are going to actually literally pop, pop a, cork a cork right now. Are you I, ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I think so. I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep up this voice the whole time, but I'm going to try. I think we can probably let it go. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. Well, that just went straight <laughs> off a balcony. Uh, what you guys might not know, and maybe you do, because you're like, what is that light What's that rustling? ambient noise? Yeah. yeah. What's that relaxation noise? I, I need to stop this voice. Like? <laughs> this is really obnoxious. <laughs> we are recording from a balcony in Palm Springs. We are giving you the full Palm Springs experience. Yes. Right? From your living room or car or barbershop, wherever you're listening right now. We have have ad nauseum talked about how much we love Palm Springs. It was time for us to bring you guys. So here we are. I'm so glad you could join us. It's one of our favorite places in the whole wide world. Absolutely. It's where we met for the first time. It's true. So We'll get to that, though. Spoiler alert. You love to spoil stuff. I do. 
I don't want people to feel anxious. Well, do you want to start things off? Yeah, let's kick it off. Let's kick it off. Tell me, tell me a story. I'm going to tell you a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. So why don't you take a minute, just sit right there. <laughs> and became Lindsay of... <laughs> Bel Air. That's Technically. True. Cheers. Cheers. So uh, some of you may know this about me. Some of you may not. I used to be a waitress for many a year. And uh, one of my several waitressing jobs was at a cafe in downtown Beverly Hills. We were right down the street from William Morris Endeavor. Uh, It's one of the biggest agencies in Los Angeles. So because we were right at the same street corner, we would often get celebrities or pseudo-celebrities to come in. My old roommate, Katie, big ups to Katie. She had the biggest crush on Ed Harris since she was like eight years old. Ed Harris? Yes. She had his picture in her locker. He's always been old. He has always been He's old. He's always been old. So there's never been a time that's like, Katie, yeah, I guess I could see that. And I'll give you maybe like a stepmom moment where he was handsome, but all I can think of is his more like it. grizzled, terrified. You haven't seen stepmom? I know she dies. Okay. Well, if you didn't know that. Listener. And also Julia Roberts. I don't know. I'm over her. It's not a great movie, but it's, it's, it's a background noise movie that you should check out at some point. Isn't there a dancing number? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> so continue. Um, so he was my customer once. He was totally fine, just like a regular person. Um, but my favorite Brighton coffee shop, favorite slash least favorite, yeah, definitely number one, um, <laughs> was when Mel Gibson was my patron and this was after sugar tits (laughs) this was after the jews were ruining the world that's basically what he said right it was sugar tits it was yes the jews are to blame yes don't sound by people are gonna sound by that i might in the next theme so anyway mel gibson came in and was sitting with this really shifty looking guy and one of our two tops and we were a tiny tiny little cafe so We try to get people in and out because turnover is how we get, how we make our money. I don't give a shit if you're Mel Gibson. Don't sit at my table for four hours because you are costing me like $50. If you're going to tip me $50, stay as long as you want. But I don't think he did, did he? He may have. We don't know because we haven't gotten to the end of the story yet. So so he sits down and um, he's really like his energy is... It really threw me off because he was so itchy is the only thing that I could describe it. Like, he couldn't stop moving, but he also knew that we all knew who he was, so he was kind of putting it on. And um, he asked me what my favorite thing is, and I say, well, I really like the breakfast burrito. And he's just like, breakfast burrito, huh? And I was like, yeah, breakfast burrito is really good. And I was like, or you could do the breakfast quesadilla because that's also good and you don't have to um, cut it up. It's already cut up for you. And that's when he takes his knife and he brandishes it and sticks it towards my stomach. And he's like, well, I guess that's what I have this for. And I'm like, whoa, yes, please do not take a sharp object towards my person again. Um, And he sits there for no joke, four hours. He sits there for four hours. He pays with a $100 bill. His check was 35, like, $35 $35 and like 15 cents pays with a hundred dollar bill. That change sits on that table the, the rest of the time that he's there. And I was getting bitter cause I was like, well, he's sitting at my table for four hours and that's one of four tables I have to make all my money 
this afternoon, and he sat there all afternoon. You my only entire had four shift. tables. It's a tiny place, yeah. um, so it's like two two tops and two four tops. Okay. Um, so he's sitting there. I'm staring at him, and I'm like, "Well, if he tips me seventy five dollars, and I can't hate on him for taking up my table the whole time." So finally, he's like talking to my manager, saying, "Okay, I'm ready to go." And I'm watching the tray of money that has been sitting in front of him. That's like whatever $100 minus $35 is, $65. And he gets up. It's still there. He like brushes himself off. The money's still there. And then he picks it all up, puts it in his pocket, and gets shuttled out the kitchen and the side door. After sitting at my table for four hours and kind of threatening me with a knife, Mel Gibson tipped me like 75 cents. Diaper juice. Diaper juice. He sucks. He's the worst. So badly. Yeah. Like you are Mel Gibson. You're Mel Gibson. And, and I, there's something diabolical about him leaving it on the table. I think he knew. In front of I think he knew too. He's not just affected to the point that no. he doesn't understand that I'm working for tips. I feel like I go back to the knife moment and I wonder if you missed a playful repartee where he expected you to be like, if you're going to carry that knife, hunk, might as well let me blow you. Yeah, exactly. And then you would have gotten the 65. But instead, he just left it. He dangled that carrot the whole time. And then was like, bye. Girl, bye. Mel. You're the problem. And everything was going so well for you, Mel, in our eyes until this moment. We yeah, really, we were really, we, we, were, we, we, were, we were all rooting, rooting for, you, for you. We were all rooting for you. <laughs> um, oh. And the, the thing that frustrates me the most, not even the most, people forget that he threatened to kill his baby mama a couple years ago. On Oksana, record. Oksana, yeah. Oksana Bayol. Um, she she recorded their conversations, and people are still like, well, she, that was a violation of privacy. Well, if somebody's threatening to kill me, I'm going to record that conversation, too, and I'm not going to tell him so people can see that he's threatening to kill me. And I might float that to TMZ. Yeah, I might do that. I might do that. People totally forget about that. They remember sugar tits. Um, they remember that he's anti-Semitic and probably racist. Um, but still, they're like, but Hacksaw Ridge. I know. No, dudes, he's a terrible person. Don't support that guy. I think there's people that still feel like he is a talented director. And to that end, go see his movies. They're not for me anymore. That's fine. Yeah, do what you want, but I'm not going to support shitty people. If I know they're shitty, I'm not going to do it. That's been decided here in Palm Springs. Here we go. Do you guys feel that breeze? It's coming in. It's warm. Coming in warm. Coming in hot. So, Paul, tell me something... Tell me something good. So let me tell you, since we're talking about Mel Gibson, I think the closest one I have to this is probably my Leanne Rhimes. Oh, Trisha yes. Yearwood story, because it's like Mel Gibson must have been in a Jerry Bruckheimer movie at some point, right? Sure. Why not? He, he was at least six degrees from Jerry Bruckheimer. Mel's movie. That was produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. Yeah. Where Mel kicks butt. Where Mel was Mel <laughs> doing Mel things. So let's go back to the year 1997 for a moment. I was graduating high school. Shut up. I was 12. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And for the film Con Air, starring Nicolas Cage. One of his best, best features. Close enough to Mel Gibson. um, Jerry Bruckheimer had enlisted power balladeer Diane Warren uh, to write a song, which ended up being 
the number one classic hit. I live. Oh, you're going from the beginning. Okay. Yeah, through a night without, without you. If I had to live without, without you, what kind of life would that be? be? Um, so yeah, it was How Do I Live, which most of you probably know. If you don't, go back, go take a nap. And now we all know Jerry Bruckheimer loves herself a power ballad. Oh, for sure. She'd love a Take My Breath Away from Top Gun. Mm-hmm. She'd love a Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Oh, God, that song still makes me a little teary-eyed. She'd love a There You'll Be from mm. Pearl Harbor. <gasps> Ooh, also a great one. So, like... He clearly likes to put a power ballad, yes. or he used to put a power ballad. I mean, I don't know if Transformers had one. I don't think Optimus Prime had a ballad, but who it, knows? I wish. I hope so. I hope that they, post-mortemly, like, after that's already been made, they go back and put one in. I felt like Brandy sung it, and they were like, oh, we just shelved that one, Brandy. Yeah, sorry, Poor Brandy. Brandy. Um, so they initially gave the song to Leanne Rimes, who was 15 years old that at the time. That little cherub-cheeked baby child. She did not know any better. She was like, I just won Best New Artist of the Grammys, mm-hmm. so Jerry Bruckheimer wants me to sing a song. I will do that. So a uh, producer by the name of Tony Brown was asked to record the song with the Red Hot Rhymes. Um, he agreed, but Rhymes ended up cutting the song with her other pr- co-producer oh. from Blue, whose name was Chuck Howard. I love that song too, though, Blue. And um, they heard that, and for whatever, uh, Disney heard that version that she cut and felt that it was lacking in emotional weight because of her age. Um, so Disney decided, without really telling Leanne Rhymes, that they were going to put Tony Brown, the original producer, with Trisha Yearwood mm. to record a new version of the song. Um, and this is where the stories kind of go in two different directions okay. because for me, it's like, it seems as though there might've been some like residual bitterness by like the fact that she hurtness. didn't work with the original producer. Yeah. Um, because both of them end up recording the song, obviously. And apparently Leanne's label had already recorded a video for it before she had found this all out. So they're not going to back down on releasing it. They're like, no. we put money into this. Like we're going to let this happen. So both of the songs are released on the exact (gasps) same day. Shade. May 27th. But only Trisha's is associated with the movie. By August 8th, they were each on the top 100 chart. Leanne Rhymes at number 7 and Trisha Yearwood at number 11. Leanne came out and told the Associated Press, quote, I wasn't a happy person. I felt betrayed. Not by fans, but but by people in the business. It's It's disheartening to see what the fans like and have politics take it from me. And uh, Yearwood's version was like big on country radio. And she said of it, the Nashville rule is if somebody has a song on hold, you don't record it. There's this kind of gentleman's agreement that if somebody has it, you don't mess with it. So she was saying she had the song on hold? No, but in this case, I didn't think she had any kind of permission to do that. So I wasn't worried about it. Like she doesn't think that she had a reason to hold it. And then, but that wasn't really Trisha's decision to make. But then she says, like, she, I think Trisha's saying, I wasn't aware of the situation at the time Got that it. it was okay. presented to me. Okay. So she says she's in, but, but it also that statement makes it sound like she knew that Leanne had recorded it. Just because she didn't have the permission, she still seemed like she had an awareness that, that, that Leanne already had recorded existed. it. And then she says, this is still Trisha. Then I'm in Europe and I start to hear that the Rhymes version has been released to radio. Then our version comes out, and it's like it becomes the big battle between record labels. 
So radio stations got in on this. Everyone started to like chatter about it, and they conducted polls asking which version was better. And radio stations put listeners on the air to bash one version over the other. And several DJs created duets mashing the cuts together. Oh, damn. This became like a thing. I didn't realize that. Neither did I, but I was like... So Rhymes is essentially the winner in all of this, in a sense. Her song was the number nine single of the year, and it spent 69 weeks on Billboard's Hot 100, setting the record at the time for the longest life on that chart for a song. Um, But then come the Grammys. Rhymes performed How Do I Live on stage moments before Gloria Estefan and Dwight Yoakam come out to give the Grammy for Best Country Female Performance. Oh, God. Both Leanne Rhymes and Trisha Yearwood are nominated for the award Jesus. for the same song. How is that even possible? And Trisha Yearwood wins it. Really? Yes. And it's like a totally awkward acceptance speech where Trisha, you could watch her. We'll put it on the website. But you can watch her just feeling like, I don't like this situation. Yeah. I feel like, too. And we have seen now... And time and time again, how how entertaining it is to add two women fighting to a media situation, whether it be a song or a movie with feud or a TV show with Desperate Housewives. Like it's so entertaining to see women pitted against each other. Um, but you did know, she say that? No, she didn't. I mean, she kind of alludes to it, but mm-hmm. like at the end of the day, both of them seem to kind of have, lo- have lost in this. The record labels did fine, but they didn't seem to enjoy the experience. So the reason I kind of stumbled upon this is that I. I found this exec named Kathy Nelson and she's worked on countless movies as a music supervisor and record label exec. And she did this great interview on a podcast that I enjoy called the movie crypt where she told all these stories about her career, including how she used her entire year budget. So this is like, you know, when you're a movie label uh, or a movie music executive, you only get a certain amount of money per year to put Mm -hmm. into the soundtracks. She used all the money she had in one year for the Pulp Fiction soundtrack. Oh, wow. Because she knew that it was going to be so big. But she was responsible for Coyote Ugly. And in that moment, she was like, she's also the woman who, um, sorry, let me go back for a second. She was responsible for Con Air. Okay. So she, um, Con Air, I think she felt as though she might have felt that she dicked Leanne over a little bit and all this. So when Coyote Ugly comes out, she reaches out to Leanne because Piper Parabo, mm-hmm. who sings for um, the main characters, but she know, doesn't actually sing, does she? She recorded that entire that entire movie, Piper Parabo. That's her voice that she like recorded into the songs, and everyone decided like Piper Parabo can't sing once yeah. the movie was recorded. So Leanne Rhymes steps up to sing for Piper in that movie, based on Kathy's recommendation. And that was a huge hit. And it was a huge hit. But the crazier thing about Leanne is that that whole movie was in the can. Like, it was recorded. It was done. So she not only had to go in and record it, but she had to record it looping onto Piper's actual mouth, which is an incredibly difficult thing to do, I guess. especially singing. Yep. Um, And they ended up reshooting the ending because Kathy promised to Leanne... Um, that she could be in the movie. And I guess there was a head-to-head like moment where Kathy and Jerry Bruckheimer were like, we're not reshooting the ending, and Leanne's in the ending. She is. Yep, so it sounds like Kathy got her way, and it sounds like in the end, Leanne did okay yeah. for herself too. 
And then she met Richie Sambora or whatever the fuck that guy's name is. Remember? She's married to this guy, but it was a whole... Leanne Rhymes is married to Richie Sambora. Not Sambora. <laughs> that's, the, that's the other guy. Richie, the no. one with the dimples. Anyway, we'll figure it out. Uh, I'm happy that Kathy made it right. <laughs> what is it? It's not Richie Sambora. No, he's the... But I can't remember the, right now either. His name is... He's the one from... The Dimples. From like NYPD Blue or something. No, that's... that's he's... Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna type in Richie Dimples. Dean Kane. No, he's Eddie Cibrian. Yes, not Richie at all. So good for you, Leanne. Congratulations. So that's the story of. Is that you? No. So okay. So that was great. <laughs> it's a lot of so, herstory that I didn't know. <laughs> a lot of herstory. I knew that Trisha Yearwood and she both recorded the same song. I never knew why. Now you know. Now I know. The more you know. Um, Do you want to tell your Pizza Hut story? Yes, Queen. So I worked at Pizza Hut. This is kind <laughs> of a this is kind of a troll patrol. Donald Chuck picked his butt all, all the, the way, way to Pizza, Pizza Hut. Hut. <laughs> <laughs> um, my senior year job was Pizza Hut. I got fired eventually. Wasn't my fault. I will stand by that because didn't know I was on the schedule. I didn't usually work Sundays. I went to Kings Island, and when I came home. They were like, Lindsay, you're fired. I said, why? They said, because you weren't at work. I said, I don't usually work Sundays. They said, you did this Sunday. Anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> when I wasn't fired and I was still working there, I came to work one time and there were these two lifers. One was a skinny ch- little chihuahua looking lady who loved bikers. And the other one was just like a nice mom who also has a pill problem and works at Pizza Hut. Both were my buddies. And one time I came in and I was like, oh, I have the worst headache. And um, the nice mom, excuse me, there you go, gave me a pill and said, here, take this. You'll feel better. And I was like, "Okay," because they don't tell you. They say don't take don't take candy from strangers. They don't say don't take narcotics from strangers. I I know. I think they do. Mm, No, they don't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I took the narcotic and I was high as a kite. Do you even know what it was? It was a muscle relaxer. Oh, Jesus. She gave me a muscle relaxer because she took him for her back and she thought that it would help this 18-year-old who's like 105 pounds soaking wet. She thought that it would be the right thing to do. Meanwhile, the little biker chick still hated everybody. So I was going through Troll Patrol and um, I was was looking at their Yelp page thinking that I was going to do it for Troll Patrol. But I was finding that they were talking about these women that have worked there for a really long time. <laughs> and they can't, they're not wrong with what they said um, because I remember their attitudes. But I also am like, these women have worked at Pizza Hut for probably 25 years at this point. Yeah, they can say whatever the fuck they want to the customers. I don't like let them live. Just let them live. But also don't give teenagers muscle relaxers anymore. Um, I digress. So this is from uh, September 10th, 2014. Oh, I didn't realize it was the day before 9-11, but, <laughs> but, but not the year of 9-11, so it's all fine. Um, so Amy D. writes, <laughs> absolute pe- worst Pizza Hut I've ever been to. Staff was rude and dismissive for the minute I got there. And as I'm reading this, I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. 
uh, I arrived at 8 p.m. They close at 9 p.m. And we're already taking down the salad bar. Also, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I asked the waitress if, if I could have the salad bar, and I was told no. Yeah, also sounds about that right. That sounds about right. I then asked what <laughs> beer they have on tap, and she said no one there had their liquor license. Really? No one at the place that sells beer and wine has their liquor license? Yeah, that's, that sounds about right. I have no doubt she was lying to me for whatever reason. She didn't want to have to clean the... She wanted other, to go home. No, she just wanted to go home. I'll be living off the commission I'm selling. I'm commission of selling snowblowers in hell before I go back to that dump. Oh, yeah, that was so, expensive. Amy D., I get it. You were mad because you wanted the salad bar and maybe a beer, but... Not tonight. She not tonight, to go Satan. home. Not tonight, What Satan. time was it? Like seven? It was eight. <laughs> it was eight. They closed, they at, closed nine. at nine. <laughs> it does take a while to put that salad bar away. That salad bar does not go away. What are you talking about? You just well, cover they put it with plastic wrap. They put it in different <laughs> containers and then in the walk-in. But it takes a minute because you have to like flip it. You have to flip it into a new container. <coughs> that makes that hits my gag reflex. That's disgusting. It's gross. Don't eat at a salad bar <laughs> at a Pizza Hut, guys. I'm not about to. But why is I... why is that news? Ugh. I knew that from when I was eighteen on. Don't eat it. <laughs> you know what? Just don't eat at a salad bar. Well, I maybe like at Whole Foods. Maybe. Yeah. Or or what is it that Nick Bryan loves so much? Um, Marie Callender. Yeah, they have a salad bar have, there. Do they have it? He says that there's a like an iceberg salad bar there, which is the perfect kind I of salad love bar. Iceberg salad at a salad bar with, with a blue cheese with a dressing. Crouton. Oh, a a really hard, yeah. but kind of chewy crouton. Yeah. So you know it's at least five years old. Oh, now you're making me think about how long that crouton's been in a bowl. That crouton's older than you, Paul. <laughs> Not to say that you're super old, but for a crouton, I'm on. <laughs> for a crouton, that's a big, that's an old crouton. Oh. So, yeah, that's my Pizza Hut story. Okay. Well, do you want to hear about my dog walker? I've been, I've been living and dying to hear about your dog walker. I've been talking about this dog walker now for quite a bit of time now, so it's time to fess up about her. So she's actually not our dog walker. She was our house sitter slash dog watcher when we were gone on vacation. And for a little while, she did well enough that we even recommended her to our dear friends. Um, but at a certain point, she lost her damn fucking mind because this is what happened. This is what had happened. Um, so we were, I was home for Christmas last year. Mm-hmm. Nick had to stay in town because he had to work, unfortunately. And we hired her. I thought, you know, instead of our normal dog walker, who's completely fine and reasonable and doesn't do pull shit like this. Um, let's see if our dog sitter would like to do this week because, you know, we normally work with her and throw her a bone. Yeah. And also it's the holidays. Maybe it's she wants holidays. some extra cash yep. money. She agrees. I would love to do that. Great. So Christmas day, I'm back home. Nick has to work the very next day. We get an email at, when did this come in? 9.13 PM. No. Which is, I believe it was Pacific time, but I was already asleep, East Coast time. Ugh, I twisted my knee. I can barely walk. Won't be able to walk Duke tomorrow. Really this week, ugh. Healthy spot near you has a great daycare. A lot of my clients use them, ugh. Now a lot of them will have to use them this week, arg. Fiend. That's it. That's it? That's it. That's all she said. So I wake up the next morning. All those uggs make me think that... She doth be lying. It also makes me feel like I don't give a ug. No, and also apologize. And also find me a better option than telling me there's a daycare center in my neighborhood. Yeah. Well, it continues. 
I got that the next morning and I, they, she had somehow gotten in touch with Nick in this process. So Nick was able to rally to get our dog. And I know this sounds like white wine right now, but I don't care. It was annoying. We spent a lot of money trying to get our dog to what ended up being full-time overnight care for like four straight days because it wasn't going to work out to have a dog walker because our usual dog walker was booked for that week now. Right. So I just decided I would like to write her a letter to tell her how I felt about things. And this is what I wrote. Hi. I'm going to edit that out. I don't want to say her name. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I won't, though. I might forget. Whoopsie. Whatever. You could call call her instead, like normal people. Okay. I'm going to, I'll probably edit this out. Hi, person that I won't, I will leave confidential. Mm -hmm. Finally coming up for air after the holiday break. And unfortunately, I have to tell you how disappointed we were with the communication of your injury. I hope you're feeling better. And I know that things happen, but an evening text and email on the day before we needed you with only just a recommendation for a daycare was extremely insufficient support in our opinion. Nick needed to be at work at 7 a.m. the following morning, and since I was on the East Coast and not awake when the news came in, he had to rush to figure out other options. This was Tuesday of a holiday week where many of our options were fully booked and not able to take him in. We were lucky enough to find a spot at a kennel, but since Duke is not able to do daycare, we needed to book him overnight for the entire week, which cost us over $300. Having referred you in the past, I hope you can see that this has left a very bad impression. I know how important a reputation is when you're working on your own, so I will not do anything beyond this email, but I felt it needed to be said. I think that's a totally reasonable and professional thing to say. This is what happened. This is why I'm upset. This is why I'm telling you. Yeah. This is what everyone who tells me to express myself in terms of conflict is how to express conflict in a way that people will hear you and understand Mm -hmm. you. This is why I don't think it ever works to tell people that you're upset, because this is the email I returned in response. Hi, Paul. I understand how you feel this was a situation that had never happened before in eight years. What? (laughs) Can you read that again? I will. I understand how you feel this was a situation that had never happened before in eight years. That doesn't make any sense. No. In any way you look at it. That's the first sentence. That makes no sense. Okay. So let's keep going. I'm going to have to have surgery. I popped my knee out of place and you were not the only client that was relying on me. Do you see why I need to read this? Yes. Do you see why I need to read this? Yes. My friend that was with me forced me to go to the hospital because I was determined to fulfill all of my duties as a pet sitter. We also are not making any sense yet. Nope. I was in extreme pain and icing my knee but ended up going. When I texted you, I was actually on medication. In all the time that I have been working with you, I have been there last minute, accommodated, extremely flexible, and done a very fine job. She's making less sense now than she was when she was than she was when she was quote unquote medicated. I've also fallen in love with Duke. Okay, well that's a little inappropriate. This saddens me tremendously since it's very out of character for me, and I had hoped that after knowing me that you would have thought this may have been a really bad situation for it to result in this way, but it also brings to light after eight years of pet sitting, I am no longer going to be doing this. (laughs) (sighs) Not only did I injure myself, but I've had several of my long-term clients passed away during this holiday season, and it's been an enormous stress. Okay, now she's just... (laughs) A complete and total psychopath liar. There's no way all of this is happening. Take care. Huge hugs to Duke. 
There is no way any of that is true. It's literally taking every single, like, it reminds me of being, like, back in third grade when you didn't do homework and you were like, my dog ate it, I'm sick, I have diarrhea, I don't know math. And I went blind. And my mom died. At the very end, my mom died, My mom died. Like, whatever it takes to get me out of this. There's no way any of that is true. None of it. And the thing that... There's a lot that gets under my skin. But. You you wrote her an email and you said, "This is I just want to tell you these things." Yes, I'm not going to go further than this. Nope. I'm not going to slander except, you, except to put it on a podcast. But I'm not going to say your name. You could be anybody. Exactly. And she's just like, I was really hurt, but maybe you should have thought of that because also medication and people are dead. <laughs> the one that really got me though, um, was. The very first line. It doesn't make any sense. No, I, like I flip it and reverse how you it. You feel this was a situation that had never happened before in eight years. There I think, is. I think there's just a lack of a comma, really. But I just like thinking that it's she's telling me that she understands how I knew that this wasn't ever a situation that happened in eight years. <laughs> it still doesn't make sense with a comma. <laughs> Maybe she started a sentence. I understand how, and then didn't finish that thought and said, this has not happened in eight years. She's so medicated and everyone that she knows died. So I have to give her, you have to give her, I have to cut her some slack, but you know what? It's Palm Springs. So we're throwing this into the air. We're releasing it to the angels and, um, anonymous dog sitter. I hope that you are doing well in your life. Also, she's still dog sitting. She probably is. You're right. I should look her up and see if she is. Cause we know people that she dog sits for that too. I just farted. Um, um, oh, I think I can felt, smell that. Oh, no. It wouldn't have hit you that quickly. So, Paul and I, when we were putting together our Evergreen Palm Springs Magic Hour episode, we were talking about what we wanted to talk about. And because we both love Palm Springs so much, talk, 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 um, we were going to tell our favorite Palm Springs stories. And I had a hard time figuring out what mine was because... Just to give you a little over arc of my memories in Palm Springs, I met Paul for the first time, my first trip out here at his wedding. That's obviously gone very poorly. Yes. Um, <laughs> we regret that day. I got engaged out here. <laughs> Paul planned my bachelorette party out here along with Nini. Uh, I've also hosted a bachelorette party out here. We've had many a friend trip out here. It's just been it's the best. It's a magical place. It's a magical guys. place. Um, but if I had to pinpoint the one like flash bulb memory that sticks out to me personally, it's my engagement story and it's not a boring run of the mill engagement story. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> so we were going to have one of our friend vacays in Palm Springs that year. Cause we all try to get together at least once a year. And Josh decided that that was the time that he was going to propose to me unbeknownst to me. Um, so he got together with one half of the spouses, which is, which are his core buds from back when they were PAs together, which is crazy. And that's Paul, Mike Lacey, John Silberman, and himself. Did Nini help hide the wine too? Yes. I think we were all out there. So it was the boys. It was the boys all going out. So the plan was to scout out a location to hide some champagne and not the ring, but the champagne, yes. Josh was going to figure out a way for me to go on a walk with him. And then he was going to propose to me. So we all had a day at the pool. 
we go to lay down because we're all exhausted from like day drinking and being in the sun. And Josh is like fidgety and I ask him what's wrong. And he said, I just feel like I'm overheating. I said, okay, do you want to go for a walk or something? He's like, yeah, let's go for a walk. So we go for a walk and we get to the corner and there's this, this stack of cactuses, this tall cacti. And there's a note pinned to it. And it says, wow, thank you so much. Next time you're in the neighborhood, ring the bell or something like that. And we both look at it and I was like, huh, I wonder what that means. He's like, I don't know. Let's go. <laughs> so we keep walking and then we get to. This story is crazy. Now that I think about yeah, it. It's insane. <laughs> we get to these two vacant lots in this neighborhood. We were staying in a neighborhood in a house. <laughs> we were staying in a neighborhood in <laughs> we, a house. In a house. <laughs> And there are these two vacant lots that um, didn't have houses in them. It was just like weeds and a couple of cactuses. And Josh goes, oh, look. And I was like, vacant lots. And he was just like, you want to sit down? I said, okay. So I sit down and I truly have no idea what's happening. I have no clue. So we sit down and he was just like, we could live here. And I said, yeah. And he was like, Two vacant lots. And he was like, I was like, we could put two pools there. And he was like, we could call it two pools. And I was like, sure. It was just like a gobbledygook of nobody knows what's happening. And I thought that my husband, or not husband at the time, boyfriend at the time, was having a stroke. And then I looked down, and he's on his, like, he's kind of crouching down, but he has a ring box. (laughs) And he's just, like, showing it to me. The thing is, what happened was... They're, they had gone on a walk and hidden a thing of champagne behind those cactuses, cacti, that we saw on our walk. And the person that lived on that property that saw a gaggle of men hiding champagne stole that champagne. Luckily, the ring was with Josh. Thank God for that. And they left the note. So when Josh saw the note, he just started to melt down. And as we continued to walk, he continued to melt down until we got to the vacant lot. And then the gobbledygook <laughs> that I just explained to you was him trying to... It's gobbledygook all over again. Yeah. But it was great. And now we're married, so it all works out. See? That was my favorite Palm Springs moment. That's a good one. It was magic. Oh, that was me. Speak of the devil. See? You're not even supposed to be on right now. Why I didn't aren't you think on I was. Mode? I thought... I, you know what? Um... I don't know if I can one-up that story, or even if I should, I, but I got married out here. I think that's a great memory. I got married out here across the street at the Ace Hotel. It was beautiful. I was there. It's been a minute. It's been almost six years, yeah. which is crazy, but it was a wonderful, wonderful evening. I was trying to think of that story that was similar in like kind of ridiculousness and botched opportunity like something that somebody tried to do something so nice and then it it blew up in their pretty little face but the wedding was just a wonderful wonderful evening and i miss it and i think someday how great it would be to have like another just big party it doesn't even like that's the thing like weddings are so everybody that you love people don't have big parties i know i do everyone wants to do their 40th birthday now and sometimes they seem as like they seem self-indulgent but no you just want to get everybody you you love together yeah and whoever can make it can make it. And if you can't make it, no problem. Don't but feel like, bad. Um, yeah, the Ace Hotel hosted us, and we had a wonderful evening. 
of dancing and laughing and being with our loved ones and and I slapped three people and you slapped and I met you I met you and I, <laughs> and I met Nini and you slapped three people and that place is now two blocks away from where I live don't come find us and kill us um, there are a lot of blocks that are two blocks away from the A's. yeah and every time I walk through there it still feels the same all over again and it's got that Palm Springs magic it that does. I always come back for and it always stays the same and it's what we felt when you showed up today and inspires us to do our best work and live our best lives. And I love this place. And if you've never been, you should, you should find your way out here. There's a lot of direct, we have a great little airport here too that you can probably fly into. Um, maybe not direct, but still it's, it's much nicer than flying into Los Angeles and driving yeah. out. Let me tell you that. Um, but yeah, we love it out here. It's magic. Um, and to that end, I think we need to wrap it up on our magic movies. And you so, go first. So I threw this out to Lindsay as like a last minute thing that we could include in this this episode, which is, you know, what captures the spirit of that like thing that that movie you put on and you think I'm just going to leave this on. It's just going to make me feel better no matter the time or day. And I want to know what yours is. I want to know what yours is first. I'm like. On the fence, because there's a few, but I think, I'm going to say, I'm going to say an honorable mention. I'm going to say why it's not the number one. Okay. But The Devil Wears Prada is honorable mention, but it doesn't win because of Adrian Grenier and how much he's a piece of garbage in that movie and his character doesn't make any sense. He's just the worst. He's a bad actor and his character bugs me. And, it's and the I hook, don't like his face. And his face is terrible, but he is, his motivations, listen, Andy is no perfect character by any means, but you could, as a boyfriend, understand her better and what she's going through. And all he does in that entire movie is get mad at her for being materialistic, which she's not really. She has moments of being materialistic. But so does every human. But the thing that's bigger about her in that movie is that she kind of like loses track of what she went out there to do. Right. And that doesn't seem to bother him as much as the fact that she's got like, she starts wearing better clothes. That really gets on his nerves. And to me, I look at you, if that's your problem with her... You're a bad boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And also, she missed your birthday. Relax, Adrian. Yeah, it's not all about you. You should understand. And if 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 she ever has... And she didn't miss your birthday. She she had to get called into work, and she got there late, and she still brought you a cupcake. Yeah. You know what? Maybe you're the problem, Adrian. So it can't be my number one. My number one, I'm going to do it. Something's got to give. I love that movie. Starring Diane Keaton and John Nicholson. That movie is a giant bowl of french vanilla ice cream with hot fudge and chocolate chips and like maybe three cherries and the hot fudge has been microwaved just a little bit so that it's nice and warm but doesn't really melt the ice cream no just like puts a nice layer on Mm -hmm. top and it's wise and it's charming and it's pretty and it's my comfort movie i love that i love that well I wasn't sure if the movie or the ice cream was wise, but either way, I was happy about it. Um, It's a great movie. I remember watching it for the first time when I was younger and seeing when they slept over at the same place the first time, and Jack Nicholson takes his leg out of the blanket, and he like has one leg out. Yes. And that, to me, was one of the realest moments I've ever seen in cinema. It was. I don't know why it strikes me so much, but it truly was just like, oh, he's being a real person right now. Because I have to sleep with my leg out. Yep. So I, I thought that was no. Really... You're right. That's a, it's a perfect observation. Yeah. And I my one of my favorite moments of the movie, even though it's so sad, is when 
she sees him at the restaurant and he's mm. with another woman and she's like, this is heartache. Mm-hmm. And she like just sells it for an inch I of her life. Oh, and, we, we and she, I think she says tonight. she's like, oh, we might have to watch that tonight and lemonade. Um, she says like, because he calls her stony, I think, mm-hmm. or calls him, what does, she, what does he call her? He calls her formidable. Yes. How's that for formidable? Or some, I think, I'm totally butchering it, but she's like just shaking in that moment being like, you broke my heart. Yeah. Oh God, that's such a good movie. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay, that's mine. Okay, that's so... I immediately thought the birdcage. Oh, that's a good one. It's so easy. It's so it's easy. so easy to watch. Um, it's so fun. Fussy, fussy, fussy. Uh, <laughs> I just, I love everything about that movie. I think going back, it probably has some things that are super homophobic and terrible. I don't terrible. think so. No, I don't think it's homophobic. No? I think you could probably explain away any sort. I actually think that the way that they portray a senator mm-hmm. who has like kind of hateful values is probably the most sensitive portrayal you're right of anyone in in a way that like you can kind of understand where even he where comes from and his from. family values even though you don't agree with him and even in the end like he comes around mm-hmm. they don't present him as like a bigot who are like a homophobe no. they present him as someone who's like confused and, and confined by his role which are kind of one and the same right now but um yeah. But it was, <laughs> it was a beautiful story about two p- young people coming together yep. and forcing these two ver- like two stark dichotomies. Is that the right word? Stark. Well, I mean, contrasts of people, basically. Yeah, yeah. Because neither, well, they weren't split down the middle. Each of them, like I thought, it was a, yeah, they're. Well, I'm saying uh, the parents. Sorry. Yeah, the, but the parents are both like if you if they were a dichotomy, they'd be pulled in two different directions. Right. But each one is kind of set in their own agendas. Yes. To split agendas, maybe. Mm-hmm. Why not? Why not? We've had some rosé. A little bit. <laughs> and some other drinks too. Um, <laughs> but I just love that movie. And I feel like it's the perfect Palm Springs, the perfect Palm Springs watch. All right. Yeah. Well, then I think that does it. I think it does it. You Um, guys, we hope you enjoyed this week. We just wanted to share some Palm Springs love with you and um, we'll do it again. We're just like, yeah, we're just going to, sometimes we're going to go off the rails and we hope you stay with us because this train ain't stopping anytime soon. No. And you know what? If you didn't like this, then why don't you just go back and listen to the book clubs? Because this is why we did those, too. You and the book clubs. Just listen to the book clubs, you guys. We did them for a reason. Not really, just so we didn't have to do an episode every week. Stop telling them that. I can tell them whatever (laughs) I want. They're my (laughs) listeners, too. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we'll hope to see you in Palm Springs soon. Bye, Wig. Bye, Wig. Leaving town and won't be back Jump job, dance and swing Everybody's jumping down in Palm Springs If you have a buck or two Tell you what you gotta do Go watch the yuppie swing Everybody's jumping down in Palm Springs While the snow is falling On the mountaintop Hear the music calling Boy, it never stops If you want to dance and song Come on down where you belong If you want to have a fling Everybody's jumping down in Palm Springs Palm Springs
Palm Springs. If you have a buck or two, tell you what you gotta do. Go watch the yuppie swing. Everybody's jumping down in Palm Springs. Still, it keeps on snowing on that mountaintop. Hear that music blowing. Man, it never stops. 